0: ...is expecting you.
1: Yes. Welcome to Thoughts from Aunt Wu, the Avatar podcast where we know the future. Today we will be discussing Book 3, Episode 17, Ember Island Players. Today on my panel I have Corey. Hello. And Charles. Charles is back. Hello. And also you are now listening to me on my new microphone... Soon you will be listening to Corey on his new microphone, but not today. Also, I apologize for Corey and Charles' voice as they are. Recording is a little bit going to be a little less encoded today, but that's totally fine. So, initial thoughts. Let's get started. Our our recap episode. We We can recap the show. We're almost at the end, guys. So, Corey, why don't you give me your initial thoughts here?
2: Um, I normally don't like recap episodes, but in true Avatar fashion, they made me like a recap episode. Um, I think this episode is hysterical and does actually a very good job in recapping all the events of Avatar from pretty much book one. Um, it's a very funny episode. Um, obviously it's quote unquote filler to an extent, but it's a recap episode. Um uh there's a lot mark and i are going to discuss a little later on i'm um, going to
1: make you cry
2: (laughs) which i'm very excited for but generally speaking um i've never in my entire life liked the recap episode but this is the most clever one i think in history in television history if you can name if anyone could ever name me a better recap episode than the avatar ember island players
1: i challenge you to do so Do you agree with that, Strong Charles? Words. Is this, 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 this is the greatest clip show
0: in the history of television? No, I. Uh, yeah, if you if you're looking for something that spans the course of a full episode, so a full twenty minute, twenty one minute or forty two minute block, then I guess. Um, I don't, I don't think it's the best clip show recap scene as if you can compare it to something shorter
1: so well we're only we are only talking about episodes here not like oh we did a
0: one particular one individual scene no 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 I mean like like a shorter part of an episode that recaps a chunk of a series mm-hmm. or like a season. Versus this, which is recapping like everything, but taking the whole episode to do so, if that makes sense. Um, Yeah. So I I mean, best of all time, I don't know, but it's it's a great episode, right? No one's going to contest that, and it's like in (laughs) it, it parodies itself, and it's kind of funny that they do so, but. Um. But it's kind of a return to that season one style of Avatar that you can't help but enjoy. So that's that's awesome.
1: Yeah, I, I think
0: there's... Yeah, this is definitely
1: an incredible clip show um, for our kind of calm before the storm of the finale and give us a nice recap. It's a really fun in-universe way to do it. Um, and just the idea of the Avatar gang going to watch play about themselves is just really really funny um i just kind of love the even the opening of this episode where sokka is like this is the type of wacky time-wasting nonsense i've been missing and it's like yeah that's that is there's something to that um but I, I think that this episode is is interesting in its in its timing in many ways um because you, you set this up as you have the invasion, you know, really big, big, and then kind of a, a come down, and the sort of set of Zuko um, field trip episodes, which are kind of not low stakes, but definitely feel slightly lower stakes. And then this is sort of our our last moment before we're going to get up to the big, big energy of the finale. And it's interesting where this exactly fits within within the story, um, especially with Aang and Katara, which. As as we hinted at before, we will we will get to in, in a bit. Um, but that said, yeah, I think that they they do a really great job of lampshading themselves while also being really funny. Um, it's 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 the rare moment where the show is both very funny but also making fun of itself for being not that funny. And I think it's a really hard thing to pull off. I feel like a lot of shows will like write the bad jokes and then be like. Yep, we see, we know that was the bad joke. But it's like this one hits that perfect mix where it's just funny enough that you're laughing at like Sonic Scream and how ridiculous Katara is while also it being self-aware enough to be like, yeah, we're doing this on purpose. And I think that all, that, that that's a tough um, needle to thread and they do it really well in this episode. And they also just do a great, I, I love seeing their
2: reactions to their actors' counterparts. It's just, like, so... Like, especially, like, until, like, Toph is brought on, she's laughing at pretty much everything. And then, like, everyone, like, has, like, their moment where they see, like, a self-reflection of themselves. Like, obviously, it's, like, a character a caricature of themselves. And, like, in a way, it's, like... Like, nothing is, like, truly false about their personalities. Like, even though, like... You are like, do you agree with me? Or do you think, like, they go, like, completely overboard with, like, everyone?
1: Um... So I think that they they obviously are going completely overboard. And I think some of them, specifically Katara, is a little bit too far. But the thing that I find really nice about it, and I, and I, I wrote this, you know, we'll get to this in a bit. But I think that this is one of the, uh, for being a recap episode, ostensibly sort of recapping you about the plot. This also does a great job of actually recapping who these people are in that. Fundamentally, Avatar The Last Airbender is a story about the loss of childhood. It's about how being thrust into this war forces people, children, to become adults very fast. And this episode did a great job of reminding us how young these people are. For one thing, we get to see sort of what they could look like from a sort of over-the-top perspective. That, you know, Katara, yes, she is emotional. Yes, she can be sort of the friendship speech character, but like, she's not that she's not an over the top parody of herself, but on top of it, I really like the way while they're watching, they're all kind of in on the joke. Like they're all like when Katara starts doing it, they're all kind of giving her the no, no, you're not like that at all. Like they're kind of <laughs> making fun of each other. And that feels very true to like the way, you know, adolescents act towards one another that, you will make fun of your friends in ways that are even, you know, over the top and ridiculous, but you'll do it anyway because it's just kind of that's how we people are. And in this episode, the the gang felt very much like kids again. And I think in a recap episode, which is designed to put us back in the mindset of where we were throughout this entire series to kind of have a nice reminder of like, yeah, these are teenagers. They're not Adults. They are just kind of a bunch of goofy kids and are having to deal with the fate of the world is really brilliant and a way to take a comedic episode and at least add some substance to it. Right. So we're going to go. This is because this is a recap episode, we're going to kind of do things a little differently than we normally do than just sort of going moment by moment with the episode. So while I was watching, I, I made a list of every episode that they reference within the book or within the episode or in the, the clip show um and it's interesting how book one heavy it is though so, boy in the iceberg southern air temple warriors of kiyoshi king of omashu the Bending sprawl the blue spirit jet the great divide the siege of the north parts one and two blind bandit the chase the drill lake laogai crossroads the Painted Lady, Sokka's Master, Invasion, and Western Air Temple. That's a, that's so, impressive. <laughs> so a question so a couple questions. Do you think that the reason that it is pretty heavily book one? You know, most of these episodes are, are book one, is a more of a reference to the fact that they were kind of just traveling around doing random stuff and therefore the playwright had more information about it? Or do you think that it has to do with how much of Azula they were willing to put into this?
2: I think it was the first option. I think uh, it's because even they, the way they opened up the play, they were like, "This is just from accounts of like where the playwright got his accounts and then like one like very helpful cabbage salesman." So I think it had more so has to do with that's when they were doing their like weekly travel episodes like i feel like it, cha- it, it It became more structured in book two and book three and book one is when it was really going to like
1: town of the week yeah i mean I, I agree i mean i think it has a lot to do with just the fact that um they were traveling more like in book two they spend a lot of time just like in Bossing say and you know that's harder to to get information on that said the one thing i find interesting about this is just thinking about the play the boy in the iceberg as it's being performed for a fire nation audience. The fire nation is an, you know, authoritarian state. There's no way that they're not thinking about this on some level as wartime propaganda. And I wonder if, because as you get into book two, Azula becomes the main villain and Azula is still royalty in the fire nation. If there's something to like, they had some other stuff about sort of from the book two era, but mm, maybe we're not allowed to air that because the fire, you know, the, the the government would get mad about it. And it's easier for, because clearly like this is built to be a little bit comedic and, you know, the way they play Zuko and Iroh is obviously like, yeah, these used to be our heroes, but we're going to make, bring them down and make them really funny and people are going to laugh at them. Like, that seems pretty clearly like a a let's actually, like, hurt Zuko and Iroh's, like, character as their traitors now. I do want, like, just sort of thinking about this as, like, propaganda, how that plays into all of it.
0: Right. I mean, you could say that, but at the same time, as with any propaganda, it's not... Particularly difficult to twist the uh, details or the portrayal or even the nature of uh, anecdote to serve your own ends. I, I, I think if they if they had enough, they could have. You, there's a lot of there's a lot in book two where you could portray Azula as clearly. I mean, and, and the show even. Tracer is clearly dominant and the the gang gets away by luck or by or tribes through to a kind of fluke it, it'd be pretty easy to make that characterization and then we for well, but,
1: but they but they do I mean it's not like Azula isn't in this at all it's just I feel like on some level they restrict how much you see of book two to the moments that as you say put Azula in a really strong position.
0: But what I mean is, even the ones where she's weak, the nature of propaganda is such that you
2: can—you
0: don't, have, you know—it's it, a play and the kind pseudo faithful to what actually happened. But you know, that's the whole point. You can twist things to serve your own ends. If they really wanted to, it's not hard to portray even the moments that Azula didn't come out on top as, uh, like they didn't. They didn't include the... Um... Well, I guess they, they they might not have been able to know. But they, they didn't include the... Uh... the fuck, what's the name of the episode? The cave episode? Where Aang gets... Cave batted? of two lovers? No, 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 no Wait, where no, what? Aang, where Aang does what? Where uh, Azul lightning bolts Aang.
1: Oh, and, no, they did. Crossroads.
0: That was Crossroads?
1: Fuck. Yeah. I can't keep track of them. <laughs> uh, that. That that that's fine. Just just say withdrawn and move on.
0: No, I refuse. <laughs> your, your honor, I am gonna stick to my point and. No, I need uh, to go get my gavel. Uh, I'll raise a I'll raise an objection and appeal. Fuck you, Mark. Oh. mark. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> who who? Okay, we'll
1: we'll take it. I'm, to I'm appealing
0: part. to I'm appealing to lens. When such a when <laughs> okay. such a venue becomes available, <laughs> that was a low blow. <sighs> Sorry, um, no, boy. Even I mean,
1: let, then, let me let me put it this way for a second. You sure. So, so they you have the scenes with Jet and inside Lake Lao guy. The only way they know about anything that happened down there is if they were talking to Azula or the Dilate or someone who is directly working for Azula and the Dilate. Like, there's no no cabbage merchant in Lake Laogai to be like, oh yeah, Jet got mind-controlled and died. Well, what about the boy in the iceberg? I mean, I think that it wouldn't be that hard to imagine that someone that there were fishermen and traders within the Southern air temple who heard the story. Well, also, I mean, I I think Avatar has been spreading the story about what's
2: been happening with the return of, well, actually even Zuko's crew. If you want to even take in like Zuko's entire crew,
1: but I'm saying like the, for the most part, I agree with you. Most of this information would make some degree of sense as like they met Random people and you know the word about the avatar spreads and that stuff is is pretty common knowledge and there were soldiers and stuff, but specifically the Lake Lao guy stuff. There's there's no way that is common knowledge. The only way that's coming out is if they get an exclusive interview with someone high ranking within the Fire Nation, which right. makes sense. This I, I would not be surprised if this was actually commissioned by the Fire Nation as like literal wartime propaganda. And I think that it's I just think it's interesting that taking away the sort of non diegetic parts of this, like obviously from a from a store like the real reason are the stuff that from book one was sort of a longer time ago. Some of it's a little bit more iconic and funny and lighthearted and it's easier to lampshade and put into this kind of thing. So I I understand why like at, at its core, like I know what the reason is, but like trying to go with a truly diegetic reason, I think that it's interesting to think through if you are, let's you know, I get you know, let's say you are the head of you know you are a cultural minister of the Fire Nation who has you know is overseeing this you know the, this this piece of propaganda, the choice to be like let's be very cautious with things that are a more recent and b more involved with actual high-ranking members of the Fire Nation versus stuff that we can just make fun of Zuko and Iroh because they're traitors and let's just do that. Right. Um,
0: didn't, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they capture uh, who, are the, who are the tree kids that show up in, in the Earth Kingdom? I know Jet, um, but
1: the other two. Oh, um, in, within the ones that are with, are I mean, with them. It's, it's uh, they, long shot, and... Um, yeah, didn't they capture them? No. So couldn't they have gotten that... In, they didn't? No. At no point did they capture Longshot and... Damn it, what's her name? Whatever. And oh. even if they capture them, they'd be in a Fire Nation prison how would that change
0: oh because they'd be tortured for information and then soldiers would have it and then there you go that doesn't
1: strike me as the kind of thing that like random soldiers would have that strikes me as something that would really only be known by like pretty
0: high-ranking officials uh having recently worked in a decent number of government agencies i can tell you that classified information is not very classified within within the united states
1: government and not (laughs) the fire nation
0: i I can i can attest the same within the chinese government as well that's within within the governments that classified information
1: (laughs) I mean, I, it, you know, it depends on how sensitive But let me but, but here's the thing. But are do you really think that the Fire Nation would be okay with them putting out a play that references classified information? I'm putting classified in clothes here, obviously?
0: Yeah. Um, I, I mean, that if seems very care, doubtful to me. Well, if they don't care about the information anymore. I, right? Like I'm, things get declassified all the time. Didn't we just get something from the uh... Not things that happened less than a year ago? Well, if all of the relevant parties are you know, uh, disabled or or can't be you know,
1: dealt, I have them. a hard I have a hard time believing that the inner workings I mean, of a of the Dai Li is something that the Fire Nation would have been okay with putting out without a con making a conscious decision to do it. I just I can't see a world where like that kind of thing is just, like, out somewhere. And they, they got meetings with Dai Li agents.
0: I, I don't think that that's that controversial just because they, I mean, outside of what Azul does, we don't see a lot of, if any, integration between the Dai Li and the rest of the Fire Nation elite. But are do you, are you saying you
1: think that this is like literal journalism and like this is free press and they were allowed to do whatever they wanted? No, no, no.
0: I just mean that. Um, I just mean in the context that rumors and interesting stories have a way, even in situations where they shouldn't be, have a way of getting out and around. And it's not Im- I'm not saying it's the most likely, right? If you're gonna do an Occam's Razor, then yeah, you know, the Fire Nation Azul and and Osi were like, Yeah, here's the information. You're allowed to do this, you're not allowed to do that, sure. I'm just saying it isn't impossible. I I, I mean maybe
1: you're right. I just think yeah, Occam's Razor, it just it seems to me that this is clearly propaganda and I think it makes sense to me that the Fire Nation sort of Gave them a few tidbits, some stuff to be interesting because they want this to be successful and they want this to be interesting, but not. But do it in a way that's very calculated. I don't know. I like thinking about this com- comedy play as like serious propaganda and a calculated strike by Azula.
2: What are your thoughts on
1: um, Aang being played by a girl? Um, I mean, how many iconic anime voices or girls no my not well <laughs> yeah
0: i'm not talking
1: anime <laughs> i'm talking about in the play i know i'm but I, what i'm saying is how there are i do feel like there's something to the fact that like a lot of the voice actors for like younger men have been yeah. women over the years well
2: that's 100 but then like not only being a girl but like a, a theater like peppy clutzy, like hey everyone like that type of like
1: showman type because that's like a I, big part of i'll be honest i didn't 100 percent love it i thought that like i'm not totally in love with the oh ang is a girl that is the joke like that's maybe not something we should be doing anymore i don't think it's like awful but, to be fair, this is a pretty old, you know, it's still a different time, Yeah, but I, I'm just saying, I do think it's a, I'm not in love with like the, oh, a girl is playing me, therefore, I'm offended by that because, you know, it, it, it comes off a little, there's a little datedness, a little, a little transphobia. Not as, not as bad as Yu Yu show, but it's... Well, sure. <laughs> that was really bad, and we don't need to discuss that. Um, About there's
2: like the little things in this episode. I, I should have taken notes, but I'm, I'm remembering it now. But like, Zuko
1: had a scar on the wrong side of his face. Oh yeah. Oh, I, that and the, the 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 kid coming up to him and being like, "Your Zuko costume's pretty good," but the star scar is on the wrong side. I'm gonna be <laughs> honest. I don't buy that. I don't think that makes any sense. I do not think that the prince of the Fire Nation. It would be like people wouldn't know that, but you know. Whatever. I mean, it's not like it, the, this is a different time. There's not like you see his face. That is true. And he was not Prince of the Fire Nation for most of the time he had the scar. So, in that case, I can.
0: But. it, it, it It's possible. And it's not like. Well, it's not like this is, you know, one of the core. Of, uh, the large Fire Nation cities, where that would be expected to be known. So, mm-hmm.
1: all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some lines, and I want you guys to pick which was your favorite of their one-liner ridiculousness in this episode. We've got Tear Bend from Katara. We have Sokka's "Let's keep flying over the Great Divide." <laughs> we had what was that? I think it's your honor. <laughs> um and of course we have the absolutely iconic sonic scream from top (laughs) and i'm gonna hold off on the Sokka stuff because i want to talk about that more in detail in a bit but of those what 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 was your what was your favorite one liner of lamb shading oh i guess i have to throw in did jet just die you know it was really (laughs) unclear for which i disagree with it. it was never unclear Jet always died.
2: I liked uh, tear bending. That, that gave me an out- audible laughing out loud.
0: I liked. Uh, let's keep flying. <laughs> <You're telling laughs> really, me. really could have used the episode for something, for something better. It's it's nice to see that they're like, all right, we.
2: <laughs> Wait, but it's, it's like, right, that's actually a question. Is that? the writer throwing shade at the it's yeah, a pure lamb shade at that episode i thought it was just like them trying to cover like kind of like a pothole of the episode
1: itself what do you mean by a plot hole of the episode itself why did they just keep flying because they had they, they could have they just they wanted to look at the great divide and then they met those people and Aang decided he had to lead them through it was never a plot hole it was just silly it was, a, it was just a bad episode
2: no, that's funny. And, you know, that, I take back my answer then, because if that is the case, and that's really funny. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. I, that said, I don't know. I will always get a Sonic scream. Will always bring a smile to my face. Just big, tough, masculine, toff, screaming at them, and then going there. Got a pretty good look at you. It's just I don't know. There's something about that. That's choice. Um. Alright, then, I kind of graze over before I want to talk about... I This may be one of my favorite things Sokka ever does. Sokka going backstage, talking to the actor who plays him, <laughs> gives him advice, and rather than them doing the sort of pretty played-out joke, kind of the one they did earlier with Zuko, with like, ha ha ha, yeah, thanks man, Sokka would never say something like that, that's silly. Him actually taking the jokes and using them on stage... And then Sokka getting super excited that he did it. I, I love this so much. <laughs> like, you have the guy at first, he's just kind of like, oh, another fan with ideas. And then he starts reading them, in it's like, rocky relationship. <laughs> it's just so, like, there's no other character on the planet than Sokka who could pull something like this off. And it's amazing. Oh. Uh, oh god. So okay. All right, I guess let's let's do let's do 2 minutes of something first. So um Corey, you are you are our resident Iroh. Um what what would be the proper term here? Super fan? Yeah, he's my favorite character in avatar. How do now. you how do you want to talk about Iroh's portrayal in this episode um, you know actually believe it or not I don't have a lot to say about it like
2: it wasn't like I'm trying to you know I, I've seen this episode now two weeks ago because we were supposed to record earlier and I, I don't remember being bring like bring that up didn't you <laughs> and I don't remember like being that insulted by like he's like I remember Iroh's actor being like short and fat and like like, I don't remember there being, like, anything that, like, really, like, made me, like, be, like, like, pissed off. So, like,
1: I don't remember, like, actually insulting me. Like, was there any, like, specific things that I should be pissed about? I mean, it's not... There's nothing that I'm, like, pissed about. It's it's more of... I mean, again, this goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like, I view this as very clearly Fire Nation propaganda. and Yeah, therefore, he's, like, disgr-
2: he's, like, very disgraced in this episode, to
1: Literally attempting to discredit him and, like his, I'm helping myself to another slice, and his sort of, you know, I'm gonna just eat lots of cake and kind of be... But here's,
2: you know what's funny? Actually, I'm glad you brought this up, because now you're, you're, you're. you're, it's a good point. I feel like this is actually how a lot of Fire Nation loyalists, like, that are loyal to the Fire Lord, actually view him. Like, take the show, the show parrying him, like, I feel like everyone calls him, like, you're black, you're fat, you're lazy, you're disgraced, you're so I feel like this is just a reflection of how the Fire Nation, or when I say the Fire Nation, I mean the people loyal to the Fire Lord, actually view Iroh, the people that actually know him.
1: I mean, I think that that's, and I think that's a deliberate choice. I think that that's what Ozai has been trying to set up for for years. Like Ozai wants people to think of Iroh as the failure of Bossing say, Se, and this sort of guy who was disgraced, lost the throne and is now fat and jovial and a traitor. And also just
2: look at how he was treated when he was in prison by like the guards. Like, yeah. like it's, it's just, a, again, it's all of this is just an extension of what we're seeing in the show. Um, and I, I really
1: outside of the, the key cast that knows who Iroh is. I can't so, think of. So let me ask, let me ask you guys a question. Cause you know, we're rapidly approaching the finale and the end of the finale Ozai has been overthrown, imprisoned, Azula has been imprisoned, Zuko has taken over as the Fire Lord, and Iroh is at least somewhat involved in this in some way, and if, uh, you know, spoilers for the comics, there is a moment where Iroh becomes temporary Fire Lord. Does, how do you think the populace of the Fire Nation feels about Zuko and Iroh when they sort of essentially take power in that? This is literally what they think of him. That, that's very interesting
2: because, again, this is not – this is a different time. And generally speaking, like, when there's, like, a power transfer, I think public – I think the general public – like, this, like let's let's compare it. This is Japan, right, if you want to compare it to Japan. Like, there was the emperor in World War II – and then, like, he went to surrender, like, when, when, when Japan surrendered, and then, like, I guess you could say, like, America started being, like, the de facto government, like, public opinion did sway towards it, so at I think... Least,
1: at least give Ipma pre- credit for ending the war. Who? That, that was a little joke for Charles. Oh. He didn't laugh. Uh, sorry, I'm just... I'm just real tired. It was funny. I'm just real
0: tired.
2: Thank you. But I feel like public opinion, like the the average citizen will really listen to like whoever is in power. It's the, more so the military I'm mostly but interested in.
1: I, I'm more referring, I'm not sort of, like I, I understand that they like accept it. Like that's fine. It's, it's more of if like looking at what you would expect Iroh and Zuko's public image to be because they have no like they there's no one like telling their side of the story. yeah, you wonder like random person in the fire Nation who like wasn't all that affected by the war, who like wakes up and open you know gets the what you know, I wouldn't be surprised that the fire Nation has a newspaper they're they're reasonably at this point reasonably industrialized and is like Ozai overthrown, Zuko crown new fire lord are going what the 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 traitor kid and the and the the, the disgraced general are our leaders now like what what are they like if they're are they sitting around the kitchen table like is there a level of like hold on what yeah it's very important to think about yeah i just i i feel like we We never, it's one of those things that like, yeah, you never think about what happens afterwards. And yeah, it is explored a little bit in the comics, but I do, I do wonder about like what effect this level of propaganda has on, on the people. Because I can understand, like, I can see how people would say, all right, well, the avatar may, yeah, you can make fun of the avatar as much as this, but that's a, a known thing. And I'm sure that people have a conception of the avatar that are not, is not just sort of propaganda but it's hard to imagine how people feel about like Zuko and Iroh and they really don't know anything else about them. Well, yeah.
0: Granted, for Iroh, they they know they know him. <laughs> he 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 was crown prince. He you know. He he did have a lot of military achievements. I, I don't think Iroh would not have
1: been unknown I mean, it was the, the draft well that but but that but that's what i'm saying i'm wondering because of the fact that they in no, this i,
0: mean, <laughs> I don't go. think the propaganda does as much because people know him
1: the only the powerful. only reason i disagree is if you look in specifically in this the way they treat iroh is entirely as a joke it's not like they set up iroh as like This is this great man, and he fell and became a traitor, and you should hate him. It's just like he was a joke from the beginning, and he's a joke at the end, and that's the entirety of of his character. And I, I do think, and again, we are, you know, going very. I'm like really going far down this propaganda rabbit hole. Not that there's anything wrong with that for us, but I think that there's a very deliberate. Like, I think that that speaks to. The way you would think to portray this guy, because again, you're you're talking about someone, as you said, who is a war hero, who is the dragon of the west, and you know theoretically should have, you know, would have gravitas. And I feel like no one's going into this story and being like, wow, they really, they really did something weird with Iroh. Like that's who's who was that? I feel like you're. They do this because it's like at this point, IRA's reputation has fallen so far that it's like. Yeah, we can just. Well, it's not very fair because this is a comedy. Everyone's character
2: in this comedy is really played up for kicks. Like I, I. Also I,
0: included, the the person who you said had to be respected. And included. I mean, Corey's right. Like, it's a comedy. They made fun of everybody powerful or not. I, I suppose Ozai. not that much making fun of Ozai. Yeah, but he only shows up for like what one
1: scene. Not that much making fun of Azula. Yeah, but she's fucking nuts. <laughs>
0: so... <laughs> oh.
1: so that, so that's okay. That's that's how we're judging this.
0: Well, no, I mean because she's real power to punish them afterwards, mm-hmm. right? You 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 don't <laughs> jest at the emperor too much because if you poke him the wrong way, he's just gonna have you killed. Except for Azula, <laughs> she'd, she'd, make it it, she'd, make it,
1: she'd make it slow and painful.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: See, <laughs> don't, mm-hmm. don't make fun of Azula. Um, All right, I'm I'm gonna take this moment to have a to have a little rant now because because I need to I need to vent about how much I hate the Aang and Katara stuff in this episode and Corey (laughs) is not allowed to smile during any of this (laughs) or i'm blurring out his or i'm blurring out his camera and replacing it with a photo of joe biden oh geez (laughs) that's my threat to you all right i hate everything about this everything about ang and guitar in this episode i want to be clear about something from the start I do not object to actually what happens. The idea of Anne and Katara having a somewhat complicated relationship and not really knowing what they are, perfectly fine. Totally makes sense. I totally understand how two people in this situation of, again, being children who are thrust into a war would have trouble sorting out their feelings. The problems I have with this are entirely non-diegetic. This being the last episode before the finale and the last interaction between Aang and Katara before the literal last scene of the show where they kiss. And I guess they have one line back and forth with each other during the prep of the finale. And that's it really just does not work for this to be the sort of last moment of, of Aang and Katara sort of, discussing who what they are to each other and then at the in the finale it's just everything sorted out and they kiss does not work for me i am a Katang shipper i will be forever i really think that they have a great dynamic of their relationship i think katara fits in extremely well for what the right relationship that ang needed and i think ang is a really great partner for katara That said, this just – it just doesn't work that they have this weird, complicated, I don't know what I am, Aang, I'm not sure. Then Aang tries to kiss her again and it's weird and awkward and also Aang, you know, don't don't do that. Then someone says no, you you (laughs) respect that and don't continue to kiss them. (laughs) It's – that was very hard to watch. I I just – I just don't fully – I don't understand its placement. Like, if this happens three, four episodes ago and you just include something else, you include some moment of them, okay, let's resolve this issue, great. They just, they never resolve it. And it's weird. All right, Corey, you can talk now. <laughs> Say whatever I just, you want. Th- this
2: episode and then, um, I'm, I'm so glad you admitted it because, like, this episode leading into the finale shows to me why I don't like Aang and Katara together. It's, I feel like since episode one, again, I always viewed the show when I originally watched it even as a kid to the second time I watched it on my own to the third time watching it now for this as Aang having a, a, a young boy crush on an older pretty girl. And yes, there there is some chemistry there because Katara is such a good, loving character, but I, I feel like Katara treats all of the people in her life like that in a way. And I, I feel like this was like rushed at the end and, and hand fested in to like really wrap that into a bow. I, I I'm sorry. Like I just see so much more chemistry and and, and weight in, in someone like Katara and Zuko. And I know you disagree no. with me on that. There is no chemistry.
1: I'm sorry, it's just it's just not there.
2: And this feels more earned if if something were to happen between them. That's, but that's
1: laughable.
2: I just every interaction between Katara and Aang that happens, I could see Katara treating anyone in Team Avatar like that. Yes. being like
1: he she would stare and wonder if she should kiss on any member of Team Avatar. In the cave, trying to illuminate things. Yes, let's let's really. Yeah, no,
2: they're, they're fine. The, the cave is like the Avatar. Exception Avatar
1: really. may be Star Wars, but it's not that Star Wars.
2: But like, uh. but <laughs> Ang has like always had this. can like I can't even get a laugh it.
1: from a Star Wars joke at Corey now. Wow, how I've fallen.
2: Because no, I'm in like the zone right now. I'm thinking about every episode now, and like every episode has been more one sided of Aang like guitar on guitar. is just like. Uh, shrugs and this episode actually shrugs.
1: epitomizes it <laughs> no that's not true i again i absolutely do not disagree i do not understand what they are going for in this episode they've clearly like there's no way you write this clip show having not written the finale already like that's not okay this is not how writing works like they know what the finale is going to be they know that annie and katara are going to kiss in the finale I just, it just really, there needs to be something else. We're we're missing, we're missing a scene. We're missing a moment between these two people, which again, maybe it happens. We don't actually see every moment of every day from these guys. Look, I have defended Katang many times. I, I completely disagree with Corey and I'm not going to rehash that again now. At some point, maybe we'll do like an actual like full shipping podcast, but I don't. I don't want to oh, spend me. hours on that at the moment. But <laughs> one thing I will say, and I, again, as I said earlier, I want to be as clear as I can. Do not kiss a girl after she told you she doesn't know what her feelings are and clearly doesn't want her to. That is wrong and you shouldn't do it. Again, I another way wonder, this very a age, very aged show. I wonder how much this situation between angitara has nothing to do with angitara i mean so throughout we see zuko talking about how much he hates seeing oh, wait, wait, wait. oh and, go on. And... sorry
0: go on right. sorry uh, in defense of the scene briefly okay um the, 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 with the genders reversed that's almost exactly how i got into my first relationship so (laughs) traditional gender
1: roles are bad for men and women charles
0: no but i mean like in terms of who who did what like i i I am what i'm I'm saying that it's just as
1: bad if a
0: girl does it to a guy no, no, but you were panning it for not making sense, and I'm saying the shit actually happens. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not, I don't. I don't argue that it that it doesn't happen. I'm. That's not
1: my argument. Isn't that my argument? Is your? It doesn't. There need to be something else. Doesn't there? Does it literally lead in from this, and then the next thing that happens is okay? You're together. I'm telling you this way mark, mark like, is literally since.
2: unraveling he pulled the string and now he's unraveling Aang and Katara he's no. pretty, he pulled up the string I'm, wait wait wait
1: <laughs> charles I'm, I want to be want to understand this actually <laughs> sure when I say the next thing remember there has to be a break there has to be like multiple days and things that happens yeah, I, yeah, okay then if charles is saying that i take it back this is brilliant well, and Katara are soulmates and it's good we're good thank well, you like, charles for saving this in a
0: friday we didn't have school because it was like one of the new york city fucking public school holidays like one of the longest i think it was like midwinter break or whatever the, the fucking it's one probably part. not important to the story no, I know, but like, a week passed, I saw her at school again, and we started going out with no interaction between us. So, alright, <laughs> Charles
1: has proven no. to me that this is actually a totally normal adolescent relationship, and I guitar I don't know normal. I'm and guitar together, and I would like I... to thank you, Charles, for redeeming this episode <laughs> for me. <laughs> wow, we went off the rails. Now allow me to make us go even more off the rails by going down another rabbit hole. What I was about to say before that, Charles, was, all right, in this episode, Zuko has explicitly talks about how hard it is for him to watch his mistakes in the past and how awful a person he used to be and that he talks about how difficult that is. I get a strong vibe that Aang's aversion to this episode has more to do with that more to do with seeing his past on display, and the Katara thing is more of a ma- manifestation of that. That the the fact that he's also having his issues with um with Katara are just another another part of this. But Aang's sort of general upset and bad mood at all of this has more to do with wow, look at my failures in the Earth Kingdom. Look at how far things have fallen. The Fire Nation, the thing I'm supposed to try and stop, is literally putting on this comedy play about how much of a failure I am. Do you think that that is on some, on any level happening? Uh,
2: yes, but that doesn't like separate Zuko from his normal disposition.
1: I don't I'm not talking about Zuko. Oh, you're talking about Aang? So do you think that Aang is explicitly reacting or exclusively reacting to the fact that he's seeing Aang, the fact that the actor Katara is saying, I just consider Aang a little brother and that's, that's what he's mad about. Or do you think that this is more about his, the trauma he's feeling from all of his failures and Katara is just one of those things? I think it's the show
2: also bringing in repressed feelings Aang has, especially considering he knows, like, this final fight is coming up soon and he might not have another chance to tell Katara how he feels. I think, like, it's, like, just... it's Him seeing it in the play is boiling up emotions
1: that are already there. All right. Charles?
0: Yeah, I... i pretty... I mean... I think the. I think everything from the past is. I mean, you know, we know Aang pre um, stories basically shirked all of us. It's not in his innate character to deal with this, these kind of. Those kind of failures repeatedly. I, I think it's cumulative rather than just the relationship and it's like with everything it's not clear to them how everything is going to end i mean we know (laughs) but they don't so if that makes sense at all
1: yeah i mean i i i get the strong sense that this is more about ang's the cumulative effect of all of this and and really ang seeing all of his all of his failures on display and like, you know, you specifically see the moment he gets up and walks out is, is not about Katara and and that it's it's you know seeing how much you know the, he's failed the world, and I think that at its core, Aang's is Aang's story is so much about the responsibility he feels about the um, responsibility he feels to the world while also the anger he feels towards being the avatar and having that responsibility. And I think that this, seeing all this in in front of him is really, like, it's even harder for Aang than it is for really anyone else. Because it's not just a parody of him, it's the seeing just the, I am upset about the fact that I have failed, and I'm also upset about the fact that I am upset about this. Like, why am I allowing these avatar duties to make me unhappy I'm supposed to be an airbender who just sort of does whatever I want. All right, um, that's for the most part most of the stuff I've got. Any uh, any other lingering thoughts, guys?
0: Moon stuff. <laughs> Oh, moon something yes. fish
1: that's true the moon <laughs> i i do love the i did love the suki you never told me you made out with the moon spirit shh i'm trying to watch <laughs> Sokka is coming. Sokka is is perfect in this episode this this is a perfect Sokka performance
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I, I just wanted to say it. it, was, yeah, it was no, you
1: really you're, funny. You are. You are right. That is a. I should have. I should have included that in my uh, jokes. Uh, top jokes. That that is, that is a really good one. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, or even another Osaka moment I forgot about. Just the the moment in the very beginning where he's just like, huh, huh, it's it's us. Like he's so excited <laughs> that they're on screen together.
2: <laughs>
1: um. <laughs> All right, so finally, I really do enjoy them walking out with the. That wasn't a good play. Well, the effects were decent. The uh, that the the ultimate review of of a movie that shall not be named. Um. What are you gonna say, there, Mark? N- nothing. I'm going to say nothing. There is no war in Bossing. Say. <laughs> there is no director named M. Night Shyamalan. Oh. Oh, I thought okay. <laughs> what Star Wars movie did you think I was talking about? All of them. No. For once I'm not yelling about how bad Star Wars movies are. It's a rare occurrence. All right, with that, why don't we give our final thoughts and our rating the second to last time? We will be doing this for a single episode?
0: Oh, we're we doing the We'll see how we're going to do this one.
1: I don't know. It's four episodes, so we could take nine hours and do it with a single podcast.
0: Ooh, oh, God, that's yeah.
1: no. We will be so bad by the
0: end. that's this. This is the best part. I don't know you're when we're all high from exhaustion, it'll be great. You know, sure. Back all right, Charles, kick
1: things off. Final thoughts and ratings. Book three, episode yeah. seventeen.
0: It, it's it's a great. It's a great recap episode. The, the portrayal is really funny. It makes sense in context. Um, it, it's nice, even from a meta perspective, that you know they, they can throw shade at how at the characters and at themselves as writers. And you know, it it does. Uh, we talked a lot of, more about this in book one. It, it balances. You know, comedic and storytelling aspects really well. Um, it, granted, you know, I didn't have the same same feelings as you did about the um, about the Katara Ang non-play interaction, so it didn't bother me. <laughs> uh, and you know, Sokka, as you mentioned it's great. Um, Rating. I'm a little. I'll, I'm going to say a nine. It might deserve better, but um, I recently watched a. Well, I, I just like yesterday. No, uh, over the weekend, watched the last uh, episode of GT. And although the rest of that series is pretty freaking terrible, I think that might be the best recap conclusory episode. Like, it's not pure recap, but it's more conclusory, but it, it might be the best I've seen in the last couple of years. So, it's probably pushing my scoring down a little bit. But yeah, well, I'll, I'll give it a 9. Corey? Um, I like this episode a lot. I've audibly laughed out
2: loud plenty of times throughout the episode, and us recapping the the, the classics uh, made me laugh again. Um, at its base, though, it's still a clip show, and I actually, you know, I wasn't even actively thinking about, like, the implications of the final scene, or the, the scene with, uh, Katara and Aang at the end until you really brought it up and then uh, like when you brought it up I'm like yeah you're actually right about that so in a way that kind of actually hurts the episode for me and you know despite this being it's still in my opinion the best clip episode I've seen and again I can't if there's a specific one that I'm missing that is better than this let me know but I still think this episode is like a 7 out of 10 7's not bad 7's above average Um, it's just I you know So seven out of ten, it has lines that still make me laugh out loud, but in in when the, when the chips are down, it's it's still a clip episode.
1: I'm I'm a little more sympathetic to it. I think this episode is really, really good. The the degree to which Sokka Sokka just puts on a on a masterclass in the episode. He's so good. And the rest of them, for the most part, are really good. I you know, we didn't talk that much about Toph and, and Suki and, and Zuko, but they're perfectly fine. Um, so I, I really think this is a a great episode for as much as Charles, you know, uh, attempted to, I I still can't get over, I I don't, I don't like the way they do the Yang and Katara stuff in this. And this is one of those that is very clearly a thoughts from Aunt Wu, um, minus the kind of thing that in and of itself, I don't think is bad, but in the context of the entire series is, and there's just, there's no way around it. So I do have to dock, you know, maybe two points here. But that said, I still think this is an eight out of a ten. Um, and as I said, the soccer stuff is is about as perfect as as you can make from a comedy perspective. And you know, this is just a genuinely funny episode. So really, hats off on the comedy side on that. So with that, we will wrap things up, and we will be back for the finale. It's that's going to be in some parts. I we're not doing all four at once, but we'll we'll trickle some stuff out. We might, you know, we're definitely going to do. You know, the episodes individually, we're definitely going to do something about the the finale as a whole. We'll probably do something about book three as a whole. We'll probably do something about the series as a whole. We'll might do other things, and then we can power on through into The Legend of Korra. So thank you, everyone, for sticking with us. It's exciting that we're getting to the end, but it's been a fun ride. Thank you guys so much.